And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 232 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Megan. Welcome back. <clears throat> thank you, thank you. How was your week this week? It's been a little crazy, um, but it's been good, I think, overall. How about you? Uh, it's been crazy, but <laughs> also, like, quiet at work. So That's good. That's good. We yeah. got to see each other face-to-face -face for a little bit. That was good. Yes. We found the most stressful tabletop role-playing game. I'm so sorry. I can't no. tell you how bad I feel about all this. Oh, no. You shouldn't feel badly about it. You did a great job. This is just a things you don't know about me. And Jin will, Jin will back this up because it drives her insane. I don't normally play in game nights. I watch. That's fair. That's um, fair. And also just its rules were very much things that kind of push my buttons. That's fair. That's fair. Like. It's a game that I think is supposed to be a little stressful, and it just hit me at the wrong angle. <laughs> it is supposed to be a stressful game, but I think it's supposed to be more of like a bonding kind of stressful, and <laughs> I'm not sure we achieved that. <laughs> My favorite moment of the night, though, was when your friend Josh and I, after you referred to us as friends, both responded colleagues. <laughs> yeah, I... um. <clears throat> Uh, he really liked you. Uh, I hope that was mutual, um, mm -hmm. despite the fact that your characters seemed oh, to no, hate each other. Oh, no, our characters were set up to hate each other. It was <laughs> yes, hilarious. Yes, Completely um, accidentally. Yes, it was It was a lot of fun. I brought together uh, essentially four of my favorite people to play a game and then proceeded to stress for the next, like, 16 hours about how they maybe all hated me for making them play this game. <laughs> so it was, it was a good week. <laughs> no. Hate the game, not the player. Ugh. Wait, <laughs> I may have that backwards. I don't no, know. No, that's okay. That's okay. We can leave it that way for this week. In this case, that is <laughs> that is our motto: <laughs> capitalism. Fair. <laughs> Hate the game. Not okay. Uh, all right, uh, comics. Let's do yeah, that. Yeah, we read comics. We read a bunch of comics. I know. I was a little proud of myself because I always feel like when I come on here, um, I. I know that you and Brian have these like really long lists and um, one kudos on being able to afford that. But also like, I can't do that. I just, but yeah, I think I read like a bunch this week because yeah, I also I'm... had to read a couple one issues to get the two issues. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about stuff. Yeah. Well, what are we going to talk about first? We only find them when they're dead. Al Ewing, creator own series at Boom. This is a weird-ass comic, and I love it. It is. Did you... Is this one that you got a chance to read the first issue of? I did. So, um, apparently, you did tell me about this at some point, because I actually got it on Comixology. I found out when I opened my Comixology this morning and was like, oh, I did buy this. But I also <laughs> have it in physical, so, like, support, you know, owner-created stuff. Um, and I did read both issues because 
I felt like this is not something that I'm just going to jump in. Um, and I'm really glad that I did that because issue two still didn't make a ton of sense. And <laughs> I love it. Um, I just got to say, like, the art on this is so beautiful. I know. I think this is, is this Simone DeMeo as well? I feel like Champions, I know Champions is Simone DeMeo. He tweeted about having two books out this week, both written by uh, writers with the last name Ewing, and how that must be his lucky. Yeah, this is this is Simone DeMeo. Uh, I on gotta interiors. say, yeah, it is just it is futuristic without being kitschy. Was like yes. the best way I can like it is a very rich and colorful, and you can't quite tell like it's very very close up of things. So like we don't. We haven't seen the ship in full. Like, the, I think the most, like, spread out that we've seen is, like, when we got the god last issue. Yeah. And it feels like this was even tighter shot. Yeah, like, it feels really intentionally claustrophobic. Like, yes. Like, one, it's got to be on a spaceship. Like, the idea of big, spacious spaceships and sci-fi being so ubiquitous is wild, right? Yes. Yes. Um, But, two, just, like... As things get tense, the camera pulls in. The panel pulls in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was a little hard to tell, like, because it bounces in time a good bit. Mm -hmm. And I struggle a little bit with that with comics, um, and which is fine. That's, that's a me thing. That's not anything on this comic. Like, it literally, any comic that bounces in time, it's going to take me a minute to realize. Um. But I like this story. Like it, it really the the actual current story maybe progressed the story like ten minutes. <laughs> it didn't do much, but we got a little bit more of the background of some of the characters. Yeah, did you yeah, enjoy we, it? I did. I love this book so much. Everything <laughs> you said about the coloring—it's like a fantasy palette, but in a space book. And I am yeah. so here for that. Yeah, like I, I really sat down for a minute to be like, I don't know how to describe this, but the colors are so perfect it's not like the what i feel is very neon kitschy of the future but it's still got that same rich saturation yeah and these like very i don't know how to describe it normal feeling colors i guess i don't know yeah i mean it's 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 i think a tricky thing to describe because so much sci-fi either lends either kind of leans into that sort of stark gleaming uh uh, uh almost star wars thing where like all the interiors are clean straight yeah. lines all that or it's pulp and like this doesn't yeah. really fall into either of those categories agreed um but i i also like what's going on in this like we we know that there are these giant space gods whose corpses they find and harvest for resources which is such a wild concept and i love it so much right Just that, like, like a dead god had to pop up and be like, well, let's harvest it. Yeah, we need some protein. Let's just cut yeah. open his forehead. Yeah. And it's, um, I, I also like that it's a very commercialized thing to, like, a really bad fault. Yeah. Rather than, like, a very new or very um, undercover kind of thing that they're doing. Like, it is very much like this is a job. Well, and Brian and I talked about this with number one a little bit. We're like, it almost feels like. This is a commentary on raiding natural resources, right? Like, That's this solid. is, they are strip yeah. mining, essentially, gods. Yeah, which is just so fucking wild. 
Um, like we still don't know where where these gods come from. Why is it so normal for them to find them? Like they don't bat an eye. Like you said, it's been commoditized. Like yeah. Um, we don't really really know exactly what happened to create the tension between the captain of this ship and this one particular space cop. Basically, I mean, we know, but we don't know. Right. Um, I I expected ex lovers. I'm really really glad they didn't go that route. Yeah, we. On that note, we do get a little bit of of, of same sex romance in yeah, this issue. Yeah, I really issue, like that, which yeah. was nice. And um, the fact that it's like a big burly man, like the captain is a big burly man, very full bearded and like um, Viking feeling almost, I guess. And yeah, like big bold, like you expect yeah. him to be like in a pub and just like laughing and cavorting and yes, sl- slinging his drink around. Yes, and um. He is is part of he is one of the the people in the same sex relationship, and it's not. Uh, I don't. In some ways, it feels like it's. Um, oh God, I'm, there's a word. It, it's overcoming these tropes. Like I don't know. You just wouldn't expect him to be this manly, I guess, without there being some like. And we're gonna hide the relationship. Like no, they don't care. Yeah. There's no way that not everybody on this ship knows. It it reminds me of our friend Frankie saying that everyone's pan in space. There you go. It's very yep. true. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm super excited to see what comes next because they like go on the run and this one enforcer chases them down and like, what's up? Just what's up, guys? Where? Yeah. Wh- what's next? There's literally no cliffhanger of like what they saw. Like we have no idea that. We... I mean, in all honesty, they could have died. This could just be about how like <laughs> these stupid pilots just tried to do a thing and completely failed how wild would it be to be in this job and then like the god that you pray to suddenly shows up right like if if gods even work that way which i guess we don't even know but yeah like oh man this is thor's thorax well thor wouldn't have a thorax would he would be funny if thor had a thorax (laughs) you can't spell thorax without thor um and sometimes he uses an axe yeah jarlborn um because axe has a name too uh <laughs> but yeah like oh oh beads i and i only get dibs on his left foot yeah like what do you uh i just like i kind of want that even if it's just like a one shot of a dude being like shit this is the god i pray to guys everybody back the fuck up <laughs> or something i just yeah or just like a breakdown a mental breakdown because of that like what do you do yeah in that case and what do gods mean in this world Like, what? Are they just kind of numerous? Is it just something that you kind of know is there? Maybe they aren't meant to be prayed to or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But it's... Al Ewing, I imagine, has answers for most of these questions. Oh, yeah. Because he is good at this kind of, like, super rich cosmological stuff. Yeah, there are a few people that if it was in their hands, I'd be like, "Mm, we're going to have a lot of loose ends. But I I got a lot of faith. Yeah. (laughs) Ha ha. Hey. Sorry. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, number 18. Yeah, so I picked this up um, kind of as the fact that I read Buffy Volume 1 and Angel Volume 1, and I have collected everything since. (laughs) And I think I have actually most of it in single issues. I have not read any Buffy since Volume 1. I think I read one issue of during the the Hellscape stuff. Um, Hellmouth stuff, thank you. Hellscape has come something completely different. and. That actually might have been for panelology as well. Probably. And um, 
I picked it up to be like, I wasn't sure if you were, you were caught up or not. And also because I was like, I need something to remind myself that I love this and I need to get back into it. This issue was kind of perfect for that. uh, To remind me that it takes these Buffy characters that I love and has completely turned them around. The fact that Kendra is still there. um, And who in the show was played by Bianca Lawson, Larson. One of the two. Either way, she's still playing a fucking teen today. Like, it's (laughs) baffling to me. She's so gorgeous and still, like, I think 10 years older than me and looks 20 years younger. Um, (laughs) But her character is just completely, like, there's no justice for her at all. And they've given her, she's in school. She's got a girlfriend. Like, you know, she's got more of a story. And I haven't read any of Willow, even though I'm collecting those as well, which in part, I mean, I'm going to collect everything Buffy. But also because it's a Jen Bartel cover and I'm going to end up just doing something with all of those or buying them just as prints. I have no idea. But um, apparently Willow is back from somewhere. So there's just all these things going on. And this was kind of like a we're all back together in Sunnydale to get ready for something big that's about to happen. Cool. So um, do you know who the big bad is right now? I don't. So. <laughs> I was really digging this, and, like, Hellmouth, I still think, was really well written, drawn, constructed, all that. Yeah. But it felt so hopeless by design. Sure. That that kind of put me off of reading it month to month. Like, I'll go back and grab things and trade and get caught up at some point. Yeah, no, but I... But it was a harder story to read, I think, so early in yeah. those series. Yeah, it's, I can see that, especially for someone who doesn't have Buffy to fall back on. Yeah. Um. So, do you want me to tell you who the big bad is? Sure. Uh, the big bad is Xander. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So, and it's uh, it's really cool. And they keep referring to Jenny, and it took me, I was like, who the hell's Jenny? Miss Calendar's one of my favorite characters in the show, and I still didn't put together <laughs> that, like, I know that her first name's Jenny. Anyways, um, I don't know. I still continue to love that they are taking the characters that I really like or love. I, I Buffy is like one of my pillars and updating them and reviving them in a way that is still fresh and really good and, and makes me love both. Um, and also makes me really be like, I don't want a TV show. Like there are talks about a revival TV show and I don't want that because I think that the comic's doing a really great job at that and I don't need more. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, the Power Rangers comic, the current Ninja Turtles ongoing, like both of those, I think, do similar things. They are familiar and different and remind me why I like the thing in the first place. Yeah. yeah. American Vampire. While we are on the subject of vampires. <laughs> sure. Uh, American Vampire 1976, number one. So I looked at this um, when I was making my list and almost said no. And then saw it was Scott Snyder, so I was like, okay, gotta pick it up. Um, didn't realize that there actually was a whole American vampire thing. Like, I guess I need to start looking at things, like being like, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I hope I is this like a true number one, or is this like a new number one of a new art? Um, yes. Um, <laughs> so American Vampire, just a little, a little like structural, I guess, background. It started out as an ongoing. Um, I want to say in. 20... 2010. 10, I did look yeah. that up, yeah. Okay. 
because it was right before I started reading comics. So it was 10 or 11. Um, for Vertigo. And yes. each arc is sort of a self-contained story. Each arc, like, jumps forward about a decade from one arc to the next. Okay. But they follow the same couple of characters, Skinner, Sweet, and then there's one other character who... James Brooks, I'm assuming? Jim Brooks? Well, maybe. Maybe Jim. There's a female character who I'm oh, thinking okay. of. Um, but I don't oh, know. that may be the woman that showed up at the end whose name I didn't get. Maybe. Um, and basically the lore of this world is like, there were European vampires and those are the virus vampires we know classically, but American vampires play by different rules. And I've read the first two, three arcs. I could not tell you right now what those rules were because it has been a minute. Uh, American vampires can walk in the sun. That's about the only thing that I got different wise in this. Right. I think uh, there's a different, like, issue. they're weak to something. Yeah, I can believe it. Maybe like copper or iron or something. I will say, so I picked this up and it like literally opens up with like talking about George Washington's cherry trees and they like pull up the roots and it's this like gnarled vampire demon looking tree root. I posted a picture on Discord. Oh, is that uh, what that was from? Okay. And I was like, I am here for this. Yeah. Um, I really dig American Vampire, by the way. Just yeah. let me lead off with that. I'm always behind on it, but I was always <laughs> behind on it. It started um, before I started reading. And then he said his name was Skinner Sweet. And I was like, any fucking dude whose name is Skinner Sweet, that is just such like a an American <laughs> name that I was like, I, I'm here for this. And like he's in Florida and gets like an albino gator or has stolen the, I think he stole the albino gator. Um, and then there's like, gritty new york in the 70s and i i like i love this issue and i really i honestly wouldn't have realized that there were more arcs except for they kept talking about vms and i was like i don't know what that is and they never explained it and then the very last page someone shows up and it's supposed to like it is a full page picture of this person and I was like, I don't know who this is and the way that this is set up <laughs> tells me that I should know who like this should be a shock. Yeah. Or some kind of surprise. And so that's when I, I Googled the person and was like, oh, there are more issues of this. Okay. Yeah. So I will be reading more of, I will be reading the back issues while I wait for this trade to come out. Um, because, yeah, and I, I, think, I, I yeah, I really appreciated it. Um, so I think this is meant to be readable standalone. I know Scott Snyder tweeted that, uh, put out a, a thread on Twitter where he's like, yeah. You should be able to jump into this. Here is some context, but it is spoilers for the series before it. Sure. Um, both this arc and the arc before it were put out basically as miniseries. I don't think that one was put out as miniseries by design. I think he was trying to like get going again on a regular gotcha. schedule and then wound up taking over a bunch of books at DC and had That's to fair. sort of back off again. Yeah, I, because it's now DC, um, I'm really hoping to get some traction. Um, the lore in it, like, there's a lot of discussions, like, this vampire hunter and someone from, like, this government role who deals with monsters and stuff were, like, talking in New York. And I was like, there's so much lore here, and I am not ready. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, there are, like, multiple <laughs> volumes that I need to go back and read, and I am yeah. so fine with that. Um, maybe I, I already have enough on my plate for Spooktacular, but I might try to find the first volume and see if I can like squeeze it in. 
I mean, I've got a copy of it. Uh, I <laughs> my list is so long. I know. But I might, I know. At the very least, I am probably going to borrow it either way. Cool. I also think this is supposed to be the last arc. I may have that wrong. Um, I mean, I can see that because um, Skinner talks a lot about just like from what I understand, he is the oldest or the first American vampire, yes. and there is a lot of mention of him just being so exhausted. Yeah. Um, but I love the fact that his house is essentially this um, train car that he stole years and years and years ago. And, like, he's super proud of it still. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I think I read the issue where he steals the train. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm glad it's an issue. Okay. I think it is. Unless I'm thinking <laughs> of a totally different book. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, yeah, no, this is... American Vampire is fantastic, and we don't talk about it enough. Yeah, no, I, I, as someone who, I, I am weird about vampires. Just, like, my whole overall story with vampires is, like, a, it's, it's a really weird thing. And, and I don't love them like most people do. But this whole nitty-gritty um, idea of a vampire, like, like rednecks, um, which I am so fucking far behind on. I need to catch up on rednecks, too. But, yeah, I guess, like, just this whole vampire doesn't make me a higher class than yeah. humans i really like that vibe <laughs> batman number 100 speaking of men in capes <laughs> with bat themes i like this transition that you're doing here Dan. thanks yeah i'm really happy with it i don't know how i'll go from this to our next book but we'll see uh 100 issues of batman since the rebirth book began yeah um i think 15 issues by tynan now my favorite thing about this issue is the same thing that has been my favorite thing about the entire joker war and that is the dynamic between Batman and Harley. Okay. So, um, I will admit, I read this. Without reading any of the 14 issues before it? Well, I'm trying to figure out when I last read a Batman, like, this Batman series. Yeah. I'm, I'm currently trying to figure that out. Um, um, don't recommend doing that. <laughs> now, this issue is the end of the Joker War arc that's been going on since, like... Ever? Issue 86, 87. Okay. Um, the big, the bulk of it is the confrontation between Bruce and the Joker. Uh, and Harley intercedes and she's given in, in 99, she gives Batman this ultimatum and basically she says, look, either you take me out right now or I will see to it that he does not walk out of here alive because this has gone on too long. This is on both our hands at this point. We have to do this. And Batman basically just walks right past her. Um, and she's been his ally this whole time. She has saved him from the brink of death more than once. She has, like, put herself on the line okay. to, to, to have his back. I really um, like that. Because I, I couldn't tell, based on this issue alone, where, like, she, if she had actually been part of this, if this was, like, a surprise show up for Harley just to be there. Yeah. Um, because no, he mentions, a... like... He's like, what are you doing? Like, all, like everybody's coming to help. So it was like, is this her trying to blow up the entire Bat family? Um, it's the opposite. There's this really great spread in 99 that is the entire Bat family on the rooftop. Batman has called them all in. Dick, Tim, uh, 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 Red Hood, Jason, Damien, Barbara, Cass, <laughs> Steph, all of them are there. And also Harley Quinn is with them. That's really cool. Like, she's in with the Bat family hanging out at this point. 
Yeah, I really liked taking a moment to look at how Harley was drawn here. Mm-hmm. So I just looked it up. The last Batman issue I read was 60. I got behind. Um, <laughs> and to be fair, like 50 annoyed me to the point that I was like, I need to take a break. I just didn't realize how long of a break I had yeah. taken. Um, you and a lot of people. Yeah. And I like that she looks comfortable. Like, she looks like she's wearing what the fuck she wants to wear. Yeah. And if that makes her look hot, cool. But it's not an intentional, like, the whole suicide movie. Like, I, the, I don't know. Harley shouldn't be sexualized. It's a long thing. Um, and now I'm really curious because I remember we read last week the, the like, short stories that kind of bridge in between all of this. And I had assumed Harley was dead. Mm. based on the poison ivy story yeah so um i i will probably actually i know i will it's not a problem i'm going to catch up between um where i left off and here because it feels like there's a lot of development that i may actually enjoy yeah there's also a harley quinn and poison ivy mini series okay that probably informs that harley story or that ivy story as well cool i'll have to look for that too um I'm trying to remember who wrote it, but I am I am blanking. Um, but it was recent. It it maybe started late last year, early this year, okay. wrapped up early this year. Um, um, parts of me were, I don't want to say disappointed. Um, I I so I love the Harley Batman Joker moment, mm-hmm. and I love that Batman walks away. Yeah, and just like to let Joker die. I guess with the understanding that, like, Joker is torturing him and, like, wants him to be the one to save him or whatever. And Batman's like, no. And I understand, like, that's probably cathartic for him to now know that he can walk away. But he still also knew and understood that the Joker had a way out. He wasn't walking away from a Joker that, like, didn't have a way out completely. And that I didn't love. But... I mean, I... It's more the choice for me, I guess, that, like... It's the choice that Harley forces, because what Harley does is strap a bomb to herself and a bomb to the Joker. And she says, you can save one of us, and then takes off running. Yes. And Batman chooses at least to save Harley, who has (laughs) saved him and has been his ally through this. And does turn to the Joker and say, yeah, you, we both know you can crack this. And runs off. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I just, I, I, it's such a good moment of him looking, like, the Joker just expects him to. He's like. Yeah. We are two, in his mind, they are two sides of the same coin. They can't live without one another. And the Batman basically looked at him and was like, you know what? At the end of the day, I think I can without (laughs) saying a word. And I really, really do like that moment because I got to say, like, I, I, I have always felt similar to the Joker where it's like, come on, you can live without this. Get the, like, move on kind of thing. Yeah, and um, that being said, when it jumps to you know weeks later, and I was just like, God, I just wanted to you know, and we find out the Joker survived. Um, but it does sound like he is going to get his own maybe miniseries or something, and like is going away for a little while, like not going to be bothering Gotham, maybe. Maybe the the only thing that's been announced, and the Joker, we've got sort of the main story, and then we've got some like almost backup style epilogue yeah. stories. Um, and I think that's what you're talking about. The the Joker is sitting in the bar yeah. talking to the other dude. So that ended with to be continued in punchline, and there's a punchline one shot. Um, oh, we didn't actually see okay. we didn't actually see much of punchline in this issue. Um, she's the female clown who was like yeah. standing on the rooftop talking to the underbroker early on. Yeah, yeah. 
She's um, the one that does the social media video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tynan has said in his newsletter, which I, of course, subscribe to, um, hey, he puts a lot of information in there. It's super useful. No, I'm not judging at all. There are big plans for her through 2021, and she's going to basically, and we see the beginning of this here, like, she starts playing this victim card and this remorseful card. Basically, she's going to play up the media and gain media sympathy and public sympathy and try to use that against Batman. Um, Interesting. So, like, that he's mentioned, but he hasn't actually said anything about what the Joker will do past this. Like, where he'll turn back up that I've seen. So... Um, it's hard to believe he won't, but... I vaguely remember um, a lot of dis discourse about this um, after I dropped off. And, uh... Is, ba is this Batman run coming to an end? I guess is where I'm trying to get to. I don't want to talk about the discourse, but my... Because my, my question is, is, like... I knew Tom King was getting off, and um, that is, it's Tyron, right? Yeah, it's Tynan. So Tynan, Tynan said in this, same, in this same newsletter that there is an alternate universe in which this was his last issue of Batman. Okay. And that in four or five years, someone can ask him about that. But as of now, he is on it through 2021 at least. Okay. Maybe that's why I, the, the rumors was that maybe it was 100 or something. I don't know. I just remember hearing, like, there was a definite end coming, and I, in my mind, I guess it was 100, but okay, yeah. that's cool. I'm fine with it continuing, because what I gathered from this that I really liked is that there are some big issues with Wayne Enterprises, and maybe it is focusing on, like, some class issues and things like that, and and not just, like, is Batman good and evil, what is Vigilante, you know, all of that stuff um, that Batman always kind of, you know, is questioning. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I kind of if it were going in a different direction, like I'm I'm really excited to get back on board. Um, and I like the idea, or I like the fact that um we got a new person at the end of this. The, I mean, uh, the, the ghost, ghost maker. Ghost maker, yes. Um, yeah. who from what I understand, based on something from last week or an advertisement from last week, this is his first issue. This is not someone we know. That's correct. Um. Cool. The only thing I think I have known about him, or maybe, I think maybe in a newsletter or something, Tynan mentioned it. He says it in this, like, one page. He is someone who trained with Bruce when Bruce was traveling the world training. That, that makes sense. He's an sense. old rival. Like, but that's all we know about him. That, I mean, you can kind of gather that from this last page anyways. Yeah, that, right. Yeah. They, they've got some history in, in their training days. Um, but he's supposed to be a big part of the series going forward. Uh, Clown Hunter will continue yeah. to be a big part going forward. I, I liked that epilogue, interlude, whatever, um, because I think it touched on a lot of things that, mm -hmm. that Batman needs to touch on. And the fact that, you know, there are parts of the city that just don't get the same attention. And who is Batman to basically be like, you don't get to protect this area? Yeah. It's like, I was about to say, like, the evil counterpart of Spider-Man, but I don't necessarily think he's evil. <laughs> um, I, I, I am very excited to see his storyline, because there I think is, he says a lot of true things. There is a Batman annual in December Okay. Um, that I think is going to focus on him. And I say that because the cover art for it is <laughs> Batman kind of standing over him, glowering down, and him, like, arms crossed, leaned back. 
yeah. that led a lot of people to speculate, oh shit, is that Damien? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like his helmet and his bat with the um, boomerang on it. Yeah. And I just, it goes back to that whole generation thing of like, just because you're older, you don't have to scare me. And Batman's like, I found you, you idiot. And he's still <laughs> like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to keep doing it. There's also a really good design element in this. I think, ooh, I don't know if the series artist on this, who is, I say as I rifle through my comics to find the issue. Um, While you're doing that, Nightwing is the guy in black and blue, right? Yes. Yeah, he's hot. I'm just throwing that out there. He's hot. Wish Jenna was here. I know Jenna would talk about that with me. I mean, I miss you, Jenna. Hi. Nightwing is best known for his ass, so yeah, I don't no, think anyone's going to argue with you. I don't think so, but I don't think you're going to talk about it the same way that Jenna and I would. Not the same way, no. <laughs> I'm happy to sit here and entertain discourse about Jim and Juan, what I, <laughs> Nightwing's ass cheeks. <laughs> Canonically, thanks to Tom King, named Jim and Juan. Um, Jorge Jimenez is the series artist on this. I don't know if he has done the character design for Clown Hunter or not, but there's a like off center X on his helmet, and then the same thing is sort of carved into his hair when he takes his yes. helmet off. So he's always immediately identifiable. It's great character design. Yes. Um, without being super super over the top, I love it. Yeah, I I'm really excited and glad for Batman to be off of joker for a little while hopefully mm -hmm. please and um i was really curious where bane was gonna fit into all this because of that issue with the three um short stories that we read last week and so i'm guessing bane's gonna make an appearance in the next few arcs somewhere in the next few arcs yeah like somewhere in 2021 probably whenever we see the joker again right because that was very much a joker probably. bane yeah conversation um, and I and I do need to add on to the fact because last week I think I talked a good bit about how uh, my issue with Joker is that he never seems to go far enough, and the fact that like he has killed um, shit. How am I blanking on his name? I keep wanting to say Giles. It's not Giles. Oh, Alfred. Thank you. Well, that was the Joker didn't actually do that. Oh, sorry. Okay, I didn't know. I haven't because yeah. again, stopped at the sixty. Jo I knew the Joker that... brings him back to life. <laughs> I knew that Alfred was dead. Yes. The fact that he brought him back to life and is using him as this torture device for, like, that part of me was like, this is really hard. This is awful. And I was like, this is exactly what I asked for. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, no, I'm glad that, you know, Joker kind of grew some balls. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Lock and key in Pale Battalions Go, number two. What is this? So, um... This is Let me not, start there. What yeah. is? So this is not main series lock and key. Um, did you read Dog Days Are Over? I think was the the issue we I had don't like think so months. I feel like I got it. I feel like I talked about it last time I was on. Um, maybe I, I just talked to Stephanie about it on JVC at one point. Um, it was like I'm bad about grabbing the one shots. That's fine. It was the one shot where it was clear lock and keys coming back. Okay. Where it ends with them putting a key in the ground and they turn it and then the house is back. Mm. So you probably didn't read that and I probably just spoiled that, but it's like a two-page story. The house has to come back somehow. Yes. Um, Can't have lock and key without key house. Yeah, and it, and it's pretty great because like everybody's terrified face and then there's Bodie who's like, yeah, I think, if I remember correctly. <laughs> it's been like 10 years since I've read it now. Um, 
but so this I thought was like the start of the continuation. And then when I saw issue two out, because I bought issue one and again, I just haven't read it. And then saw issue two and was like, wait, this is this is the the story name. Like, what's going on? So I grabbed it and read both of them. So basically, this is Key House back in 1910s, basically. Okay. Um, it is a different, I mean, it's the same family, but it's a different family living in the house. It is mom and dad. There are, there were two boys and a girl. Um, one of the boys has died. It might be 1940s. It's either World remember. War One or World War Two, is what I'm, is what yes. I'm guessing. It's okay. one of the World Wars. It's whichever one Canada got into before we did. And I cannot remember off the top of my head, which one that was. Um, and the only reason that I stop and correct myself is because there is a comment where the mom says, I've already lost a son to a war. Um, anyways, so it is based in one of the world wars. There, the, the younger son um, has stepped into this Canadian enlistment office, is trying to enlist, is clearly too young. And then the enlistment officer is like, why don't you go down the street, get a corned beef sandwich with tart pickles from this place, and then the dad opens the door from Key House grabs the son in front of this and starts like yelling at him and of course it's got the enlistment officer being like what the fuck just happened (laughs) um and that's where we kind of get the backstory of this family the dad has hidden all of the more dangerous keys um we get how the son was able to get the key to like go into the house and like wrote like concocted the story so basically he could enlist and issue one is all about him tricking and um lack of a better term possessing through the keys his mom through the keys Hmm. so that he can get the more dangerous keys the crown the wings um the ones that can the the crown controls the darkness um there's another one and i can't remember which one it was and essentially that the first issue ends with him walking into like normandy um oh and he ages himself up a little bit and basically just like walks in and just joins the war so issue two, the one that came out this week, <laughs> is talking about these Germans who have just come back from, their father died, so they, they got compassion leave, um, and have come back, and they are talking with some of the leaders, and they're like, you're using these gases that we literally signed some, um, paper saying we, we won't use, and like, it's killing the Germans. Like, you're killing your own people because they keep fucking these things up, and the leader of the army being like, um, <laughs> you've been away for a while. Why don't you just go like take the story of these people who keep claiming they see the shadows moving? And they do. They are seeing the shadows move because it's this kid that like <laughs> is joined the war and is using the shadows to fight the war. And it's uh it's some horrific like battle scenes and stuff. And so the Germans end up using this gas the kid nearly dies so he's got the wings like trying to carry him back to key house he runs into this cottage or he flies into this cottage it's like the wings are carrying him and these germans are following and he uses the key to this cottage to go back to key house where these germans have just followed into (laughs) and picked up the crown and oh yeah, just ran a um. What is the the sharp part of the guns? Uh, bayonet. Into, yeah, the bayonet into a mom, into oh, his no. mom, and that's how the issue ends. So it is lock and key of a different era 
showing how dangerous these are. And maybe now the Germans have some of the keys. It's lock and key after Salem Saber Hagen eats the time ball and runs into Boy Meets World. More or less, yes. So okay. it's, um, yeah, I, I like it because I love just the history of these keys. I don't love war stuff. Yeah. Um, that being said, 1917 was one of the best movies I think I watched last year. This year? Oh, my God. I think I did see it in January of this year. Anyways. Um, and <laughs> I think 1917 is something you should experience at least once. And I think this Lock and Key miniseries is pretty cool, actually. Cool. So, yeah. Now for something completely different. <laughs> Getting it together, number one. Cha- I'm, I'm changing in my mind. <laughs> changing okay i'm ready let's talk this book gave me and i think the best way because especially coming from me there are ways this could sound very negative and i don't mean them that way gave me some how i met your mother vibes sure um one because i think it does jump back and forth in time a little bit yes. uh it's, it's a non-linear a non-linear romance story which maybe is where the How I Met Your Mother comes from, and they're all, like, 20-somethings. And they're all kind of fuck-ups, and it's pretty great, I thought. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I like the color palettes that make it easier to follow what's going on. Um, still struggle a little bit with the time jumps and stuff, but, you know, there it's this, this guy's sister and her boyfriend, who he's really good friends with, maybe best friends with, break up. Yeah. And the orange versus purple really helped me. Um. The moment that he's on the date and they the the guy's like, Oh, this bracelet is so dirty. I was like, Don't give your bracelet. <laughs> like, I appreciate um the same sex couple, but also I was like, you know what a woman wouldn't do? <laughs> you know what a woman wouldn't trust? <laughs> uh so yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I'm curious where it's going. Um, if it's just like a contemporary kind of story. I I get the vibe that that's what it is. Like it it feels, especially reading the, the letter at the back, it feels like it's coming from this... Nostalgic probably isn't the right word, but this place sort of looking back for Cena Grace and Omar Spall on their 20s. Yeah. And some of the stuff they got up to, and just kind of like writing what feels like sort of maybe even almost an open-ended kind of romance story around it. Like, it reminds me a little bit of the storytelling in Sunstone. Okay. In that yeah. it it doesn't so much feel like it's writing to the end of an arc or to the end of a graphic novel as much as like it's just telling you what happens in these people's lives and kind of where they come and where they go. And yeah, like five arcs in to Sunstone, there's sort of a, a closing of one chapter and moving on to the next thing. But other than that, it's pretty much just this ebb and flow. Yeah, I'm curious about that because I, I, that just doesn't feel like the norm of comics. And I'm hoping this can survive that um because i i I really did enjoy this issue it was a nice break between everything else comic wise like a lot of intense stories yeah i mean it's a four issue miniseries so i think the question becomes does it sell enough to get a second arc um but yeah like there are there is a very small niche occupied by like really good romance comics um sunstone i think in general tends to be the one to get the attention but like this reminds me a bit of that too like i think there is if you enjoy sunstone if you enjoy romance comics like i think this is definitely something to check out because it feels really well executed all the characters are 
like pretty likable up front even when they're doing dumb shit yeah i mean we've got a this literally opens with a breakup and you don't really hate either of them yeah thought you know i was gonna lean towards one side towards the end but i really love the ending of this yeah it's such a sweet ending i didn't expect it to actually work (laughs) no i didn't either and i like reread those panels a few times like that entire i think it's a page of um and it's so sweet and it's so real and it made me both very sad but also like you know you can break up and still be friends and that's fine yeah and i hope they find that i hope i guess my fear is that they're going to turn around and like the next issue ross and rachel is and i and i think that only comes from the fact that like maybe one of the variant covers was a friends-esque theme i don't think it was the the actual cover but and it's not the cover I got, but in the very back, there is that picture of them with the umbrellas. And I was like, oh, please tell me this is not, please tell me this is like an homage and not like a, here's what we're doing kind of thing. And I can't imagine that that is because that show is not aging well. No. I mean, this is also, I was hesitant to mention How I Met Your Mother, because I think by the time it even ended, the finale notwithstanding, like it had not, it had already not aged well by yeah. the time it went off the air. Um, um, but it, I guess it is kind of an homage to those kinds of shows. And that's, yeah. I like that. I like those shows. And like, I think part of the problem with those shows is there's not representation in them. Yeah. And this does not want for representation. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it comes from a creative team that is broadly speaking queer in different ways, like yeah. in different occupies different lgbtq spaces so yeah i like and and it questions something that um i think is becoming a bigger thing um as generation like i it i feel like open relationships are coming more and more of a thing mm-hmm. um, not to say that they haven't always been but that it's becoming more common to talk about yeah normative that's the word i'm looking for it is early in the morning and immediately addresses the things of like what an open relationship means to different people and how that's dangerous and how you have to have the communication behind it or an open relationship will never work. And if you're not willing to do that communication, you can't have an open relationship because it literally will fail within, according to this one day, two days, maybe, (laughs) Um, but pretty, pretty quickly. (laughs) Yes. And, um, and, and neither of them are wrong. It just wasn't communicated enough. Yeah. They, they walked out have, of a conversation with different understandings. Yeah, and and you got to have boundary talks and and what it, the rules are and and all of that. And um, I'm very glad that they didn't get immediately back together. I mean, I can see that if they do get back together, like that won't bother me, um, because they had one fight and some things were said that were regretted. But like, I don't know. It's not the worst fight that they could have yeah. had. Speaking of finding family. Oh, oh, okay. Black Widow number two. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Good segue. Did you read this? Yeah. Oh, it's Kelly Thompson. I figured as much. If Kelly Thompson's on a book, I'm reading it. I figured as much, but we didn't. You kind of listed what we both had read when you were going through the list, and and I realized we didn't even actually talk about this. I just assumed this one would go on the list. Sometimes I do that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's Kelly Thompson. That's fair. That's a valid. That's, yeah. I think my favorite thing about this, just from a, a comedy point of view, is this entire issue. Clint and Bucky are just sitting in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> and the fact that, like, the people observing whatever is going on with Black Widow 
um, are like, we, we can see them. They, they're aware we can see them. <laughs> like, right? And of course not, because they don't know. But yeah. They're, yeah, they're like, um, hi, you're just sitting in the fucking bushes. <laughs> What's well, like the best, the best, like comedic use of that kind of of dramatic irony, right? Like, yes. Bucky and clint don't know what they've wandered into but the villains don't know that they don't know so they're now super paranoid yes and it is like a really this is really hard for clint and bucky because nat doesn't appear to be undercover but they also aren't quite getting the vibe that she truly doesn't know who they are and they get something weirds up but she looks so happy and this yeah, like, is clearly her fucking child because man is he getting out of everything <laughs> we don't know where he gets it from he gets it from you yeah yeah when like by the end of this issue we see her not even knowing how she's doing and like okay if there's a trope in this sort of story it's it but it works so well here that i'm cool with it but the like, oh, there are some muggers, and she just wipes the floor with them. Oh, she's fidgeting with things and accidentally builds a bomb. Yeah. Like, we she know really... hi. Go ahead. We, we know that there are hijinks going on, because, like, Arcade has manufactured whatever this scenario is. Yes. But, like, it's still sad because, like Clint says, like, she's clearly so happy here. Do we actually have any place messing with this? Yeah. I also like, I don't know if I like it. I don't know how to feel about the fact that she beats up five muggers and kind of wants to talk to someone about it, but it's not bothering her really. So I don't know. Part of me is like, maybe she's not as gone as she might be. I don't know. I'm really curious. I, I mean, I it's Kelly Thompson. I trust it 100%. And I'm going to love whatever happens. Yeah. But the questions that are there, I'm just, I just want more. That's all. That's all I know, that that right? Is. Like, have you seen the cover to number three? The the wedding dress? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, lo- I want to I... know how this child exists. <laughs> that is an excellent question because on the timeline, like, there's no way. The child is too old for the amount of time she's yeah, been it's, missing. It's only been three months. This child is uh, over a year old. His name is Steve, as in Steve Rogers. He's Stevie, I know. He's just so cute. And is the husband in on this? Is he an actor or is he also someone who thinks that he lived in France before this and has an architect for a fiancé, and is he supposed to be the dad of the kid? Like, I don't know. There's so many questions that I have. I'm I'm guessing we're going to get a little bit of a backstory because of the wedding dress. I'm sure that we'll get answers. Like, I, I, Oh, I know that. I meant in the next issue. Next issue, who knows? But I think before all is said and done, we definitely will. And I'm just so, like... I mean, the way that they set up this kid, the kid has to, they have to put a bell on the kid because he (laughs) is so good to getting into trouble. It's not even like, like, it is clearly like if Nat had a kid, this would be the kid. He sneaks off so much. Yes. And then the babysitter's like, um, won't he try to take this off? Oh yeah, he will. But you'll hear when he's trying to do that and you'll be able to stop it. Like... (laughs) It'll That's give you a head point. start. Yeah. <laughs> It'll give you a head start. And um I don't know, is this the same kind of Natalie that has what they did to um Black Widow in the in the movies, which is basically like she can't have a kid, which that is a whole nother like fight for a different day. 
Um, I'm I'm happy to just relegate that to the Joss Whedon of it all and say that. Yeah, no, I'm fine with that. I'm just curious, yeah. like, if or when Natalie becomes her, or Natalie, Nat, Natasha. Um, they actually do call her Natalie in this. Okay, I was like, where did I just yeah. get Natalie from? They call her Natalie in her, um, I'm waving my hand around, in her alterna state. Yeah. Um, if or when she comes back to being her, and this child that definitely has a part of her, either if it's a clone somehow or something, like, how protective is she going to be and what is that going to do? I'm just so excited to know where this is going. I look forward to the play dates between uh, her kid and Spider-Woman's kid. Yes. That'll be so much fun. So much trouble. We need a superhero babysitter. Um, I think there is one in Spider-Woman. Oh, good. In fact, he may be dating Spider-Woman at this point. I was thinking of uh, The Incredibles when I was... or whoever the babysitter in this book is because yeah she's great the 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 observers uh ask arcade do we know who this is and he's like no but i feel like i get the narrative reason to ask that question but also it kind of feels a little chekhov's gun to me right like well the art there's like before they ask that the way her eyes kind of look in a couple of panels, and, and maybe this is just me reading too much into it, but it seems like either she knows that that's Black Widow. It's like some kind of, not necessarily side eye, but like in the know, maybe might want also to, but doesn't harm the baby or anything. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would love to find out that this babysitter is like someone undercover. Yeah um but yeah if not bring her on let her be superhero babysitter i do want to mention the art too because elena casagrande's art in this is absolutely gorgeous oh yeah there are a couple of pages that i just like stop and just stare at black widow man i have such a crush on black widow and jordi belair colors and jordi belair is just fantastic always i do wonder i um where the fiance was supposed to be going like because they get dressed up to go out that's why they have a babysitter and i assumed that they were going to the same thing yeah i but she puts him in a cab and then he she that's when she fights the muggers so i don't know what exactly was happening there yeah i mean maybe he got a work call or maybe maybe he is in on what's going on and got called away like yeah i am i'm just i this is probably something i'll continue reading issue to issue but it is something that i'm like i just want the full trade right now please (laughs) thank you uh that's the real struggle with reading comics yes patience yes i have none we should all know that by now speaking of having patience champions number one is finally out man i was going with superhero babysitters and like (laughs) that was gonna happen (laughs) um so way back in i don't know man january (laughs) we got outlawed okay um and champions kind of got delayed miss marvel miles morales all got delayed past the shipping hiatus miles has been back for three or four issues now we've got our second issue back of miss marvel this week but we also finally get champions, which sort of moves all of the cradle teenage superheroes or illegal thing forward, finally. Um, like the outlawed premise on paper is not my favorite thing, but I've said before, like all the stories that are coming out of it, I think have been really well executed and I've enjoyed these books. And champions is no different. I am so glad to see Eve Ewing back on a book. 
Um, again, also Simone DeMeo on art. And how good <laughs> is this art? Yeah, I, I really like this. Not knowing anything that come in, comes into it. But that's, yeah. yeah. Um, not to say that I didn't understand the issue. I just um, now want to go read all the stuff that came before. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's really well done overall, um, artwork wise. It's it, I struggled a little to kind of figure out who was talking and um, if my my Nadia, my wasp, was involved. Um, and she is, and I think she's been captured. Um, <laughs> but I like this whole concept of you know suddenly we're like mm, you got to be eighteen and older to be a superhero, and it's like mm, it doesn't work like that. But what are the repercussions of this? What is, you know, mentally and physically and emotionally and, you know, all these other things? And can you make them stop? But, like, if you make them stop, what are the repercussions there? And Yeah, yeah. like, it's tapping. government struggle. (laughs) It's tapping into something that I think is very current day, which is. This idea that the kids should sit down and stop trying to prevent gun attacks in schools. Stop trying to fight for climate change. I mean, right-wing weirdos dragging Greta Thunberg in public spaces. Like, why? She's a kid and trying to speak up for something you guys have failed on. I mean, we know why. It's it's money. It's yeah. No, I mean, there's but yeah. That's uh, I understand the rhetoricalness of it. I just yeah. I I agree. I went with kind of um, Kelly O'Connell. Is that no Kelly Conway? Um, that was Trump's. She's what was she? Kellyanne Conway. I think she was his. I think she was his his like White House spokesperson for a while. That's what I and thought, has been. Yeah. I think, like, now her title has been just, like, general counsel, general yeah. advisor. Well, like, in some ways she had to step back because her daughter basically Claudia. came out. Was like, um, my mother is, didn't call her mother a fucking idiot, but basically was just like, I don't agree with a single thing. And, like, yeah. using a platform and, and the whole um, scandal of TikTok essentially making Trump think that he had all these supporters that were going to come out and then, you know, <laughs> he campaigned to basically an empty audience for the most part. And all these other platforms or TikTok being used for all of these discussions and platforms and things and just kind of showing that the kids are all right. And yeah. Yeah, yeah like I I think those are the parts about this that really work for me. The thing I think I resist is just that thing I will always resist of let the heroes be heroes. Yeah. Um, but I think this is this is letting the them do that, that in a different way. You resist the f- that you're tired of that that um, story cut trope, or you you don't want. I, I'm I guess explain more what you mean by resisting this. I mean, I think it comes from probably a combination of factors. Like, one is a lot of these characters have much shorter histories than any other character in mainstream comics today. Like, we're not we're not just talking about, like, Young Justice Generation, which are a decade old, sometimes 15 years old, in terms of real-world publishing history. We're talking about characters whose publishing histories go back eight years for the most part, like Miles is a little older, but like Kamala's been around seven, eight years. And I think a lot of these characters haven't had the time to sort of set 
this is what it looks like when we are just in the world as heroes getting yeah. to do our thing without like some sort of restriction on what we can do um a lot of them sort of 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 and like the whole champions roster sort of came out of civil war 2 and all of that nonsense okay. and heroes fighting each other and it kind of feels like every time every time one of these runs sort of gets traction continuity kind of gets in the way of of that momentum has there ever been a moment where these and and maybe it's because it's a different multiverse um but there has to be some superheroes that are adults now that were doing this as a teenager because all I could think about was Peter Parker during this and I know that like different multiverses and stuff but in this multiverse that it can't just be all a people that started being a superhero as an adult and now there's suddenly all these kids I so, mean like I, I guess think Peter Parker's a... the classic example but a lot of the X-Men characters yeah are teenagers and have gotten to to be teenagers I guess my um, question is more of like if they keep having this discussion and like trying to restrict this group of superheroes, has there been a moment or is this the time where they have the moment or is, am I giving a writer who happens to be listening to this an idea of just like, you have superheroes that are adults that used to do this that should be kind of stepping in. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's part of what this is. Like maybe cause we, we, we actually had a spider Gwen issue, a ghost spider issue where, Peter essentially offered to sponsor, and she's like, "No, I don't need a fucking babysitter." Yeah. Um, and also it would be weird if it's you because our whole dynamic is strange. Um, we are ghosts to each other of other people. Right. Um, we are the loved ones that we've lost. Yeah. So like, I part of it just boils down to to the part of me that doesn't like hero versus hero, and I know it's not. I mean, that's I know why it's not wholly I, yeah. hero versus hero here, but it's like I mean, Dum Dum Duggan is kind of the face of Cradle in Miss Marvel and in Miles Morales, and maybe that contributes some to it. That makes sense. But this idea of like, I'd rather see heroes fighting villains. Um, but at the same time, like I said, like I think parts of this work really, really well. I think the actual books about this are written really well, despite the premise being something that doesn't on surface do a lot for me gotcha yeah like i think i i mean i really enjoyed this issue like i really enjoyed seeing like i think the big moment of this for me is like miss marvel makes this sweeping statement over you know fictional youtube over the internet right and it's the first any of the champions are hearing about it and it's because like she's pissed off because this whole thing is done in her name and she's not okay with that she's not okay with bureaucrats with some kind of agenda using her name to keep her and her friends from doing good uh to the point that i was actually surprised bringing in magnificent miss marvel 15 a little bit i really thought from all the build-up to champions that this had basically outed kamala as miss marvel that everyone knew right. she was miss marvel they don't i actually like that's one of the things I really love about this is that she is the face of both of these arguments. Yeah. And I am on board for that. Like, I, I feel like there no, are ways that this you. could I have been that... done that I would have absolutely hated. And been like, no, I'm yeah. sorry. I can't get on board with this. But I, I really love that added stress of like, 
you know, obviously you're always going to feel the tension of your um, superhero side versus your your cover, but this is like times 20. Yeah, well, I think that that does help it a lot, that she still has the secret identity and that she can't just say, no, you can't name this for me because I am her. Right. Like, it does it does complicate things uh in a good way um we also see at the end of of champions maybe who who might have ratted everyone out to cradle because the champions meeting gets broken up and i have questions (laughs) (laughs) um near the end of the last champions run we got some really like in a very comicsy acceptable way weird (laughs) developments for viv vision there was like a Viv 2.0 that mm-hmm. came to exist and for a while like had separated from the original Viv and maybe they're both running around maybe they're not so like right. where Viv is at was really really up in the air when the last champions run ended anyway so I'm curious to see what they do with her um also I need everyone to go save Nadia from Cradle because right? the idea the idea of Nadia being held in another government facility is just heartbreaking to me. Yeah, like, there are so few people in this world, and <laughs> realistic and fiction, that I'm like, if you harm this person, I will find you and I will kill you. <laughs> and uh, my roommate being one of those people. And <laughs> Nadia being another, and I feel like that's the same vibe wave, that's the only reason why yeah. I mentioned Red. But, um, yeah, like, part of me was like, that can't be Nadia, because <laughs> if we're gonna, like, no, <laughs> you gotta leave Nadia alone. I've, I've definitely had the thought before that I should try to convince Red to cosplay Nadia. Oh, I like. I'm always like, "Hey, Red, you should read this. Let me tell you all the ways that you're like Nadia in like the best fashion." I've, and like, they've read the first two volumes. Um, yeah, no, I know. I just don't do it though. <laughs> okay. Where, because uh, yeah, I, was, I think I was trying to get convince them to read the other two, and maybe the um fictional well fictional the novelization that's what i'm looking for um which have you read i have not okay um so yeah like (laughs) don't hurt nadia no they're like miles i don't know part of me it's not that i don't think nadia can't get out of this like i have the absolute faith that even if nobody else went after her she'd still get the fuck out herself but she's a pacifist let her be in charge of science and training and teaching and yes she can go fight too cool but like let her do it on her terms yes and oh my god if this causes her even like an ounce of ptsd or an anxiety attack or anything like i'm sorry cradle's just like gonna be a crater it's fine I also love the moment when someone's like, are we just ignoring the H in, in this? <laughs> yeah. Just tradle. <laughs> like, they're just completely, I don't know. <laughs> Something about that felt so Generation Z. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, that's that's valid. I mean, I was I was <laughs> thinking it when he said it. I think it was Sam who said it. Yeah. No, I, I guess, like, the vibe of it or something. And I was yeah. like, of course they would be in this middle of this attack where they're not sure how they're going to get out. Two people have been caught, and someone's going to be like, "Are we really just going to like pretend it shouldn't be this? Like, are we really going to pretend there's not yeah. supposed to be an H in this?" It was like that is as Generation Z as as it gets. Gen Z. Yeah. All right. Um, moving backwards in the alphabet from Z to X. <laughs> okay. 
uh, Ten of Swords roundup time. Uh, we had Wolverine number six, Egg Force number thirteen, and Marauders number thirteen this week. Wolverine and X Force are basically two parts of one story. Um, and when I say basically, I mean completely and utterly. <laughs> uh, ben Percy writes both. They are both the story of Wolverine finding Muramasa, both the sword maker and the blade. Um, the second chapter of Ten of Swords had the prophecy kind of riddles for which mutants and which swords would be the tin to go fight in Otherworld. And Wolverine was one of them. The Muramasa blade was named in it. And one thing we saw, I think actually in the first chapter in, in creation, was Muramasa was actually named by both sides of the conflict as one of the swords they would use. So the first question was, well, where are we going to get two Muramasas? Percy introduces in these, uh, basically the, the champion from Arako, who will be fighting Wolverine who is named Solem, S-O-L-E-M, who is this warrior poet who war and pestilence, I think it was, have thrown into a pit and left for hundreds of years because he killed their father? He killed someone. <laughs> um, In battle, whatever. They threw him in a pit as vengeance with nothing but a dagger so that he could con- could kill himself, Um, just hoping to like leave him in despair and lonely and all that. So they come to find him for the first time in hundreds of years, and he's got, like, wine and snacks and is just chilling in a great mood, greets them amiably. Turns out whatever staffers have have been responsible for, like, bringing him just enough to keep him alive have, like, fallen in love with him and are just worshipping at his feet and have provided him this really comfortable lifestyle for however long he's been there. Percy had, had mentioned on, on Twitter that this character is someone who he wanted to introduce basically to give Wolverine his own kind of Loki figure, this sort of, of, of opposite who's also like really charming and maybe on the other side of things, but also who there's some sort of bond with. Well, he's the other one who's supposed to wield Muramasa. And we see kind of their two halves of this story converge when they find themselves in the same prison cell in hell because muramasa the 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 sword maker has been kidnapped to hell uh to make swords as wedding presents and he has made a pair of them and wolverine who is unkillable and solem who is unbeatable bust out together break up the wedding and (laughs) steal the swords and get out of hell together and like that relationship that honestly I was kind of skeptical based on the de- the description the you know a Loki for a Wolverine mm-hmm. is fantastic. Um, Solem is amazing, and I am a little shocked that he's immediately as likable as he is. So props to Ben Percy for pulling that off. Nice. Um, Marauders is basically the same thing, but for Storm. And when I say the same thing, this is. Her saying, oh, yep, that riddle is about me, and I know where to get my sword. Let me go find it. <laughs> um, Which, in the structure of this thing, works really well. We had two weeks of big, like, exposition. Here is how rules for this game will work. Here is what's going on. We're going to shake things up. And it's nice to focus in on, actually, individual characters for a moment here and see them do their parts. Uh, this uses Storm's history 
really well. Um, the blade that is described for her, she immediately knows as this important artifact in Wakandan history. So she goes to Wakanda, which she used to be queen of because she was married to T'Challa. Okay. Um, and goes before Queen Ramonda and Shuri, who are... Ramonda serves as regent, so like whenever Wakanda, or whenever T'Challa's off on Avengers nonsense, um, she takes audiences and speaks on his behalf. So Storm goes and asks to borrow this sword, which is basically when the the meteorite that was full of of vibranium crashed. There was this lightning storm, and this sword was like the first piece of vibranium that became processed that was imbued with any kind of ability, any kind of technology. So it became sort of the example that from it, early Wakandans reverse-engineered how to use vibranium and how to make weapons and technology and how to build. And like their entire architecture and structure and history comes from like the coincidence of this sword landing there and they're figuring out how it works, what it is. So it's this important cultural piece of heritage. It's locked up. No one but the king may touch it. And so they both say to her, look, we we love you. You are family. We, you know, they're in a literal sense, her former in-laws. Um, we will give you anything, but we ourselves cannot give you permission to take this. Only T'Challa can. And he is not here. Hang out. Be our guest. Wait for him. I'm so curious as to why they broke up and where he currently is in this, but I like that doesn't seem to be the point of this at all. <laughs> so like I can wait until after we're done to get all of that. Well, no, I think I think why they broke up is a valid question because it's been long enough that there may be people listening who weren't there for it. Um, it was actually one of the things that happened in Avengers versus X Men, uh, in this point in okay. time when the Phoenix entity had been split into five pieces by tony stark who was trying to destroy it and it possessed five different x-men i don't believe storm was one of them but because of the conflict between the x-men and the avengers she and t'challa came into direct conflict and he annulled their marriage um like that's that's why they split up as to where he is in this it's kind of just a you know general avengers nonsense sort of thing it's not there's no like to see where T'Challa is, read Avengers number 34 (laughs) sort of deal. Gotcha. Um, And what that whole sort of conversation sets up is this really amazing tension between Shuri and Storm. um, Because both of them know what they have to do. Also, I should mention, this issue is written by Vita Ayala, who I think this is their first X-book. But they're going to be taking over New Mutants after Ten of Swords and are going to be writing or co-writing Children of the Atom. I did look at this. I did almost get this. And then I was like, I... Because JVC were also reading a comic. So I was like, I have so many comics in my hand at the moment. (laughs) And I know that I'm not going to understand anything leading up to this moment. And I'm sorry. But I am like, like, I, I will say that uh, them being the the writer on this, like, really gave me pause to be like, oh, I should totally. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just as a general, a general uh, side note, like part of the reason that I've been digging the X-Men stuff so much is just some of the writers they've had on it have been some of my favorite writers in general. Um, 
the fact that Teeny Howard and Vida Ayala both are architects of this going forward is just just like everything I could ask for just about it. Yeah. Um, most of this issue really trades on this great tension between Storm and Shuri, where Storm knows basically what she has to do. And the stakes for her are, if Arako breaks through Krakoa, they're not going to stop at Krakoa. They'll come for the world, they'll come for Wakanda. This contest, this, this fight is our one chance to hold them off. We can't contain their army. Um, so to her, if she does anything, whatever she does to meet that goal is done in defense of Wakanda as much as Krakoa. To Shuri, like, she's been the Black Panther, she's been queen, she has to protect her her people's legacy or people's history, and she knows that people will not accept the decision to let Krakoa borrow the sword unless it comes from T'Challa, and even then, maybe not that there will be infighting, there will be maybe not all-out civil war, but people will die. Um, so, like, we see the two of them eat dinner together and try to dance around this, and Shuri, like, between the lines, implores Storm, just be patient, don't do anything rash. Um, Vita Ayala gave an interview about the costuming for for Storm in this issue. She first shows up in this full, like, the sort of classic white Storm costume. Um, and then after they have their dinner, like, we see her change into her black costume. And it's this very conscious, she tries to come in above the board, but she planned for if she had to sneak around in shadows. Um, diplomacy has failed, so she's going to do what she has to do, and she always knew she'd do it if it came down to it. Kind of deal. Um, and Shuri knows this too. So, like, Storm breaks into the place where the sword is held, because back when they were married... T'Challa had told her basically everything she'd need to know to the point where Storm's even questioning. Maybe, maybe I know this because T'Challa wants me to have this option. Um, we, we get the obvious like fight between Shuri and Storm and then T'Challa shows up. He's like, why, why could you just not wait? Like it's rhetorical. I understand. I get it. I'm not saying I'd have, I'd have done anything differently, but you know, I'd have said yes. And she's like, yeah, that's why I went ahead. Um, and he lets her go, he lets her go back to Wakanda, and then he destroys the gate. So, like, there has been a cost to diplomacy between Krakoa and Wakanda, and all of this is trading on character and past and history in a really canny, savvy way. Um, it's a really, really smart issue. Very cool. All right. Is it still good? Deceased, Dead Planet, number four. Dark Side is. Dark Side was. What's next for Dark Side? <laughs> The Dreaming, Waking Hours, number three. Ruin and company try to find a way back into the Dreaming, but of all the, the fairies who one might summon for help, Puck is probably not the one you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Far Sector, number eight. Um, Joe makes it out of the Matrix in one piece but may not survive political intrigue quite as easily. Justice League number 54. This is part two of Doom Metal, the, the death metal tie-in. Uh, Starfire and Cyborg return from the depths of space and join up with Dick and Detective Chimp and Hot Girl just in, time to, just in time to try to sneak through a field of Starros. Young Justice number 19. 
Zeus shows up and decides it's time to test uh, Cassie Sandsmark and see if she will finally relent and join the Pantheon and doesn't get the answer he wants. Adventure Man number four. Uh, we learn what happened in some of the gaps between issues two and three and why nobody remembers Adventure Incorporated. Coffin Bound number seven. Um, this is a really cool issue where, uh, I'm going to have to break format a little bit on this one, but the issue breaks format. Uh, this one's basically double-sized, uh, as a result of the, uh, hit that Taka has put out on herself. An assassin that kills people by splitting their future in two and letting them see two different paths they could take and two different outcomes and having them choose uh splits taka in half i'm not sure how that sentence started honestly hopefully that was a whole sentence um and taka makes a choice the amazing spider-man number 49 uh after all these years peter and norman have to fight alongside each other um until maybe they don't uh magnificent miss marvel number 15 i touched on this a little bit ago we see uh miss marvel uh we see kamala still having to hide the fact that she's miss marvel returning to school and dealing with like the fallout of kamala's law and cradle and running away from dum dum duggan miles morales spider-man number 19 this is tying together a bunch of threads from saladin ahmed's run so far um Miles finally meets Ultimatum face-to-face and learns uh, who he is and what he's up to. Deadpool number seven. Uh, Deadpool and Elsa Bloodstone go to face the... uh, Oh, shoot. What are they called? The bone... Go to face bone-eating monsters. (laughs) Uh, And maybe Elsa betrays Deadpool. Thor number eight. We see what happens when just anybody can pick up Mjolnir. (laughs) Horizon Zero Dawn number three. We get the secret history of the new character who's been introduced as sort of a a hunting companion for Talana. And see a new robot that I'm sure will be in Horizon Forbidden West. Nice. This week's books to read there. This week's books to read. Oh, hey, Meg must be tweeting back and forth with Chris Grine. (laughs) Because I'm getting the notifications Um... now. (laughs) Yeah, it, it was looking through, um, there was a reason I fell down that rabbit hole, and then I found out that NetGalley has the advanced copy of his uh, creator-owned that comes out in March called uh, Secrets of Camp uh, Whatever. And so <laughs> while you were doing that, um, I don't know if you saw my face. I made sure not to actually squee. I was like, I got to go to NetGalley and put in a request, and hopefully now I have to go actually do some reviews to get my net galley rating back up because <laughs> I've definitely ignored it for the past few months and um, it doesn't look great at the moment. I think I'm around a 75 and it needs to be above an 80 to kind of secure things and so I just need to go and like clean out all these reviews that I need to write. <sighs> we'll take this moment to remind everyone if you want to hear Meg and Tim and me talk to Chris Grind about the Animorphs graphic novel, go check out that <laughs> bonus episode of Minds at Yerk. Yeah. Uh, okay. Books coming out this week. I've got a large number, actually. We Live, number one. Uh, Wait, I didn't see this. What is this? Uh, so this is the first Aftershock book I've had on here in a while. And, 
Uh, let me actually get to the description of this issue real quick. The reason this is on my radar is because Inaki Miranda is the artist and is co-writing with Roy Miranda, uh, his brother. Inaki, uh, Inaki Miranda is just one of my favorite artists. Uh, this is set in the year 2084 um, with like the last humans alive facing dangers and, uh, well, extinction. That's what danger means here. Um, and Earth has received a message that if 5,000 children will get to a certain spot, someone something from from space will save them um the art for this that has been out there that has been teased is absolutely gorgeous um just beautiful and like that that alone is selling point for me on it i think it's going to be a gorgeous book and i think the idea is cool too um that's that's it that's the reason why that's what it is very cool um from dc Rorschach number one. This is Tom King and Jorge Fornes. Okay. I did see um, ads for this. Yeah. So I will give anything Tom King writes a try. Sure. Sometimes he can be a little hit or miss for me, but in general, like, he's solid. Uh, Jorge Fornes is, I think, one of the best artists in comics. Uh, certainly one of my favorite artists in comics. And I will read anything he draws, pretty much. Okay. Um... And then the the conversation around this book when it was first announced, King says he's using it to sort of work through and talk about just living with anger in difficult political times. And on one hand, that might be a lot for right now. Yeah. But on the other hand, I feel like that's kind of something I've been struggling with. So I'm really curious to see how he handles it. Meg, Willow number four. Yeah, just um, always going to buy the Buffy stuff. Um, Jen Bartell writes this and, and does the covers. And I, if you haven't figured out that I'm a huge Jen Bartell fan, then I'm sorry. I am a huge Jen Bartell fan. Um, and even if I have the feeling that I should probably be doing all of these like side Buffy things as trades, um, I'm going to buy all the Jen Bartell stuff. <laughs> Yeah, especially if they're going to make Jen Bartel cover A and not yeah. exorbitantly expensive. Yeah, all for that. Like, part of me really is considering somehow framing all of these. Like, to go, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Action Chillers, number one. So this is, we talked about this in solicitations. This is one of the IDW all-ages Marvel books. Okay. Um, as you might guess from the title, Chillers, this is spoopy Halloween-themed stories. Meg, would you like to guess what has gotten this onto my must-read list? Is it Kelly Thompson? No, but you're, 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 you're on the right track. Which one is it? Jeremy Whitley. <gasps> Even better! Uh, the framing device in the book is Jeremy writing Stephen Strange and Riri Williams together. But this is a four-issue miniseries of basically, like, anthology-style, short, all-ages-appropriate horror stories. And he has promised us some Nadia in it. <gasps> okay, I will be buying this 110%. Yeah. Yes! I want to say Nadia's in issue three, but I may, I may not have that right. She may be in, like, two. Uh, Bitterroot, volume two. Yeah! Very excited for that. You finally uh, got your hands on volume one? 
Yes. Haven't read it yet, but I have my hands on it. <laughs> so. I mean, that's the first. That was a difficult enough step in and of itself, apparently. Yeah, it was weird. Um, I very much miss my, my local comic shops in New York. Um, I had three that I regularly visited, and none of them ever had this. And I knew I could buy it online, and I knew I could actually buy it from my local comic shop online. But I am someone who is in some ways like a purist. Like, I don't like buying... Funko Pops online for a similar reason. Like, there's something about finding them in the wild <laughs> very mm. much about. So I just got better roots after moving back to Georgia. And, uh, yeah, very excited. Yeah, I, I just moved all my comics because I'm still moving furniture around and stuff. And was like, I don't want to think about how many comics are on here that I need to read. <laughs> But there's a lot. You can always do what I do and just read a trade a day for a year. I'm going to get you caught up real quick. I feel like what I'm going to find out is that there aren't enough comics that I'm going to love that let me do that. Mm. But Or that I would have to start actually like diving more into superhero stuff. And mm, I don't know about that one. Uh, the last one I'm going to mention is The Devil's Red, the Devil's Red Bride. Which is written by friend of the show, Sebastian Gurner. We had him on way back to talk about shirtless bear fighter and <laughs> uh oh shoot there was another book about i know exactly a which young one I can see dragon it. girl it was an all ages book i'm blanking on its name um this is sort of a, a a samurai revenge story about the daughter of a japanese warlord who has to step up when he dies and then avenge her people in some way um, yeah. I haven't actually read too, too much about it because I kind of want to go into it blind, but it's for Vault, sure. and okay. Vault has one of the best batting averages, so to speak, of anybody in comics in terms of putting out good books, so Fingers definitely crossed. checking that out. Was there another trade that you had noticed that you wanted to mention, too? The Buffy Volume 4 is coming out. That's right. Um, Which is good, cause, and that must mean that the Angel and Spike volume is right around the corner as well yeah it's gotta be they've got to be close to finished with an arc if they haven't already they definitely have because i know i like there was the day like that i went in to pick up something else and then i saw it and was like oh this is this is a cool cover but i haven't read any of this i should go back and then i got him and then i looked at him and i'm like son of a bitch this is an entire trade and Uh... so um, I bought them, like, don't get me wrong, but I was also like, damn it, I'm going to be buying this soon and trade for it soon, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. All right. Anything to promote? Yeah, actually. Um, as of the day we are recording this, um, so two days ago, the first episode of The Way We Haunt Now has dropped, which is an audio drama that I have a small part of on a couple of episodes. I'm really excited. We got to listen to the first four episodes a last week and um it is incredibly well done and um just major kudos to the creator courtney ford and um go listen it is spooky and perfect for this rainy october day um i also host two other podcasts judging book covers which i mentioned we are doing a comic for our next issue um we uh, which is we're doing the banks by Roxanne Gay, which came out in December of 2019, at least in trade. I don't know if it was a single issue thing. Um, and I don't it know released, much... It released in trade and single issues at the same time. It's oh, a publisher it? okay. that does like a box set of singles or a trade. Cool. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I don't know much about the comic like at all, other than the fact that I absolutely adore Roxane Gay, so I am very excited to read some of her fiction stuff. Um, and then the other one I host, I co-host with Alex and our friend Tim, and that is Minds at Yerk. I don't know why I waved when you said I can co-host see you with Alex, high. but I did. Hi. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you again. Yeah, for, thanks for, for having me on. The double header. Yeah. Sorry, I am sure you all miss Brian. I am just not as prolific. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We've gone as long as Brian and I typically go in an episode this week, so Nice. Yep. Uh and Brian will be back next week along with Meg. Yay. And if all goes according to plan, the the perhaps long awaited return of Jen, fingers <gasps> crossed. That would be very exciting. Um for our 2020 spooptacular yeah i'm very excited i just did a happy dance nobody else can see that i did yeah. a happy dance it's one of my favorite things to do in the year is just to catch up on horror comics and then talk about them with people that appreciate them as much as i do same it is one of my favorite episodes we do too yeah all right we would like to thank chase parker for our intro voiceover you don't need to hear me read all of the places you can go again this week it's kind of long episode so i'll save you that time but we're panelology We've got a website. You can find it. That's it. I'm Alex. I'm Megan. Bye. Go read comics. Mm -hmm.